Well, it's my duty to speak to you this morning, this morning on the subject of biblical church being gospel-centered. So let me ask you to turn to a very familiar passage of scripture, Matthew 28. Maybe some of you guessed it. <laughs> Matthew 28, 16 to 20. And I'm reading from the old King James. Matthew chapter 28. Sixteen to twenty. My focus is from verse eighteen, but I would like to read the passage. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world or age. A gospel church is... Uh, Bible, biblical church is gospel centered What does that mean? In very simple terms I think it means that If a church is to be Biblical It must also be evangelistic That is It must preach the gospel That's obvious I'm sure But I'm sure you will agree today With that, that there are many um, churches, so-called, where the gospel is hardly ever heard. So let me begin this morning by saying that God, by His very nature and work, is evangelistic. God, Because God is a seeking God. He seeks out sinners, he calls them to himself, and he reconciles them. This is very clearly, I think, demonstrated for us as we read the scriptures. We can begin at the fall. We see this is demonstrated in God's actions towards man following his fall by sin. We know the story in Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2. Where God had created man And then man rebelled against God He sinned against God And when he heard God's voice coming Which was a customary thing He went into hiding And God sought him out And provided the means by which Man would be reconciled to himself And this has been God's continuous action since Throughout the history of mankind God has been We are told Going out into the world Seeking a people for himself And so we see then that In this matter of evangelism That God takes the initiative To call men back And restore them To a right relationship with himself This is in my understanding, is the essence of evangelism. 
So if there is one thing in which God is vitally interested, it is evangelism. That is, the proclamation of the gospel of his saving grace to men lost in sin. What does it mean then to evangelize? To evangelize means then to proclaim or to publish good news of good tidings. This word, by the way, was used uh, among the Romans at the height of the Roman Empire. It was used among the Romans when the news of the victory or victory by the Roman army was published in the city. You know, Rome was engaged in many wars to conquer many nations. And whenever Rome had conquered a nation, the news was sent back to the city of Rome that the, the army had been victorious in battle and they had conquered the enemies. And that was considered to be good news to the citizens of Rome. When this word is used in the New Testament, it's, it, it refers to God's action. To rescue, to redeem, and to rescue sinners through the death of his son and to bring them into a right relationship with himself. And I want to say to you this morning, for those of us who have come to experience God's saving grace in our lives, this is good news indeed. So the gospel is good tidings. It is the good news of God's saving action. What God has already accomplished through Christ to bring sinners to himself so that they might share in his glory. If that is true, then the gospel message becomes the central message of the church. This is what the church must engage in, I say to you, above everything else. The gospel message thus becomes the central message of the church and the gospel ministry its most important work. I realize that there are many things we do in churches, but I think sometimes we become so focused internally that we forget the world outside. We are so taken, I'm sure this is true. It's true of our church And I've been challenging our church with regard to this We are focused on All kinds of activities And programs for Our children and young people And adults and for singles And married couples and, You know, Those things are important But let's not forget that the most Important thing we are to do As a church is not to have marriage seminars The thing we are to do Mostly as a church is to preach The gospel because that's the means By which sinners are brought into God's kingdom those other things are important But I think sometimes we lose our focus And therefore we lose our way Where this ministry is concerned So may I say to you this morning That if it is true that God is evangelistic In his purpose, in his perspective And God has taken the action necessary To bring men into his kingdom Through the death of his son and the church therefore is formed that way It becomes 
the work of every single local church and therefore every believer to engage in this gospel ministry to share the word of God or the work of Christ with sinner, for sinners with a dying world. This means that the, the local church must be gospel oriented and its members must make gospel ministry their concern. I think these principles are brought out by Jesus's commission to his disciples. Also in the practice of the early church, we see this in the book of Acts and in the teaching of the New Testament scriptures. I have divided this passage into three simple points I would like to use to, to continue from here onward. First of all, we want to speak of the commission of the master. We see Jesus sending out his disciples. And so when we speak of evangelism or of, the, of preaching the gospel, we ask the question, by whose authority? Who sent you? <laughs> this is crucial. Because you see, sometimes we think that it is the church who sends us. And therefore, when we become disgruntled with the church, we stop going. You got it? Or we think it's the pastor who sent us. And when we become annoyed with the pastor, we stop evangelizing. Or maybe some denomination sent us. Or, or, or somebody sent us. Let me say to you this morning, brethren, that the one who sent us is the Son of God Himself. It is by His authority we preach the gospel. Please remember that. Not the church or the pastor or some group. The person who commissioned us and who sent us out into the world is not another human being. It is the Lord of glory himself. We need to hold this in our hearts and remember it because it will help us. The second thing we want to consider is the content of the message. What shall we preach? And you hear all kinds of so-called gospel preaching in the world. And I'm not here to knock people about their preaching and so on. But every once in a while, it is good for us to listen to certain preachers and examine what they preach. We mustn't just hear what they have to say that make us feel good. We must test the message by the message of the gospel. And ask the question, what is it that this man preaches? So here is the question for us. What shall we preach as a church? Well, we'll come to it. But let's remember, we are to preach the gospel and the gospel alone. Amen. Third question, or third statement. There must be commitment to the mission. Listen, folks. So we ask the question, how can we be effective in this gospel ministry? Not by gimmicks and programs. We are going to be effective as we remain faithful to the preaching of the gospel. You know why? Because it doesn't matter how long we preach. What matters is that God will take that message that we preach to bring conversion to the hearts and lives of men. 
So let's remain committed to the message. In fact, I think we can, th- these things are borne out in the passage on the discussion in Matthew chapter 28. So let me read verses 18 to 20 again and we'll go from there. And Jesus came and spake unto the, to his disciples saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. That's the authority. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, always, even unto the end of the world. So this is the, the commission to the church and to every individual member of that church. So evangelism, let's look at the commission of the master by whose authority evangelism is the most important work of the church because it concerns the proclamation of the good news of salvation to sinners. You know, when we gather in these kinds of settings as believers, especially as those who believe in the free and sovereign grace of God in salvation, we rejoice in it, don't we? Let me hear you, man. We shout hallelujah, we say amen, we, we appreciate this work that God did for us in Christ and by His Spirit to draw us to Himself that we might partake of His salvation. But let me ask you a question. Do you want to keep this wonderful news to yourself? No. Let me hear you now. No. So where are we doing it? Let me hear you. When was the last time you took the time To share the gospel with a fellow sinner. Let me ask us as churches. When was the last time we engaged in any real evangelistic effort? Even from our pulpits as pastors sometimes on a Sunday morning. When was the last time we took the time to share the gospel, to preach the gospel? We, we, we assume that everybody sitting in church is saved. We mustn't make this assumption. We must assume that many, maybe most don't know Christ and therefore we must preach the gospel to sinners. Because you see, there, there, there are many people who will be sitting in our churches. There are many young people in our youth groups. Many people sitting in Sunday school. Many of our children who are growing up in our homes. Who may have made professions of faith. Who have never experienced the saving grace of God. They don't even know the gospel. Amen. Amen. So this is what we have to be doing. Evangelizing. Because it is the means, the the method of making disciples for Christ. And that's what Jesus sent us to do. You hear him when he says, go ye therefore and do what? Teach. This word teach here in the text means to make disciples. Now what's a disciple? Let's put it very simply. A disciple is one who commits himself to someone else. To accept his teaching and to follow his lifestyle. And when we seek to make disciples, what we want to do is to make sure that we, we point them to Christ. What Christ has done so that they might commit their lives to him. And what Christ expects of them so that they might live their lives for him. Notice in the, in, in the passage a, a few things there. First of all, the assertion of, of Christ's power. 
He speaks to this issue. You hear him saying, All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. This word power means authority. It speaks to the authority of Christ given to him by the Father and it extends to the entire universe and is absolute. We must remember this. That when we face the world to preach the gospel, we are going by the authority of Christ. As hostile as the world may be to the gospel. As difficult as the environment may be where gospel preaching is concerned. Let us remember that the world to which we preach is under the dominion and authority of Jesus Christ. The Son of God, Jesus therefore, thus becomes the one through whom all the authority of the Godhead is mediated and makes him the reigning king of the universe. The church's evangelistic ministry cannot fail. It will not fail because it is directed by the one who exercises sovereign control over everything in heaven and in earth. I think sometimes we are uh, tentative and we are fearful where the gospel, is, the gospel ministry is concerned. We need not be. You know why? Because Christ has authority over the entire universe. He asserts his authority or his power. He says, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Amen. The second thing we notice is that he, he, he speaks of the advancement of his plan. You notice he says, go and teach or make disciples. That's the plan. Is that the plan? That's the plan for the church. By the way, the word therefore makes the logical connection between the authority of Christ and the commission that he gave to the disciples to go and make disciples of the nations. And what we discover in very simple terms is that the plan for the church is to preach the gospel to the world. That's the plan. Now I know that there are many other things, that, like I said earlier, there are many other things which we do, many other activities which are necessary for the life and development and growth of the church. But I would like to remind you this morning that if, even if we did all of those things and we did not share the gospel, we did not evangelize, we did not seek to reach others for Christ, we would, we would have failed where the plan of Christ is concerned. So because Christ has sovereign control and universal authority, we are to engage in a ministry of universal evangelism. Amen. This means then that the commission given to us as the people of Christ, as churches, is that of a global evangelistic endeavor. Christ's plan for us is to make disciples of all the nations. Everywhere we go, or let me put it like this, wherever we may find ourselves, in whatever local church of which we are members, in whatever part of the world we may find ourselves, it is our God-given responsibility to tell others about Jesus Christ. I think we agree on this, sir. So let me not belabor the point. 
So the primary task of the church must be to make disciples for Christ. Amen. This constitutes the preaching of the gospel of God's saving grace in Christ to lost sinners, thus leading them out of darkness into the light of Jesus Christ. So a gospel church or a Bible, a biblical church must endeavor to be evangelistic. It means, therefore, that the local church must take the ministry of evangelism or gospel preaching seriously. It must take Christ's command seriously to preach the gospel and to use all of its opportunities and resources to reach the lost for Christ. That's the plan. The second thing I want to say about this is that not only must the church do this, but every member must be involved in it. I know today we we, we leave evangelism to professional evangelists. So we are going to have a big evangelistic campaign. People are asking me, well pastor, when are we going to have a crusade? Well, we are going to have a crusade every day. Because they think that to, to preach the gospel is to bring a preacher from overseas and to have two or three weeks of meetings. Follow the Seventh day Adventist in the thing, you know. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm other kids that, by the way. But that makes for a lazy church. So the pastors and elders of the church must organize evangelistic campaigns and bring people from overseas and spend all kinds of money and resources and expend all kinds of effort. And we invite people to come. And whom do we invite to come? Our friends from other churches who are having the gospel all the time. We fill up the church with a bunch of believers and we're going to preach the gospel. Now I'm sure there are people there who will be lost. But how are we to do this? Well, what we are to be doing is that each one of us as members of the local church, as people who are ourselves disciples of Jesus Christ, to seek to make disciples of others for him. And that means that wherever we may find ourselves, as the Lord gives us the opportunity, we don't wait for a week of gospel preaching, we preach the gospel every day. That's what works. That's what th- th- this works, you know. The Lord has helped me to do this as I meet people on a regular basis. People already know, already know my pastor and a preacher. It's a wonderful thing. So you're the guy here on the radio. I say, yeah. Can I share something with you? <laughs> and I want to tell him the gospel again. Listen, brethren. If we were alert to this. If our hearts were open to the leading of the Spirit of God, if our minds were set on making disciples for Christ, I suggest to you, we would have many more opportunities, or rather, we would see many more opportunities than we think we have to share the gospel. One of the things I enjoy doing, I'm telling you, is to share the gospel with children. I find it very much easier to talk to kids than talk to adults. <laughs> uh, you may come to whatever conclusion you want on this one. <laughs> but I think they listen. And even the, even the children at church, I talk to them and they come and talk to me and they sit with me and I 
talk to them about their need for Christ and to trust Him as the Savior. You know why? Because as I see it, that's what the Lord sent me to do. To tell others the gospel. This is the responsibility of every member of the local church. This means therefore that every believer ought to be involved in seeking to make disciples for Christ. The command in the text is to make disciples as you go. Jesus is not giving a command as such. The command in the text is not to go. The command in the text is to make disciples. Now it doesn't mean we mustn't go. There are times when we must have evangelistic campaigns uh, and uh, we send out missionaries to different parts of the community or the island or the world, wherever we feel the Lord is leading us to send them. But we must not think that this is the sum total of the mission, missionary effort of the church. It is, it is as you go or while you are going. While you are going where? Well, some of you go to market on Sunday, on, on Saturday morning, don't you? Yeah? Maybe some of you go on Sunday. <laughs> While you go into school or to work or to the market or to the beach or to the grocery or overseas and you meet people, do what? Make disciples. It isn't as difficult as we think it is, you know. I know it's difficult to approach strangers and to start telling them the, telling them the gospel in this very difficult world, in this very um, in, a, in this world that is so hostile to the gospel. But what I mean is that as we go about our daily business in life, is what Jesus means. It doesn't mean that we don't go at certain times and in particular settings and situations. But what he means is that this is something that we ought to be doing throughout our lives. So every Christian is to be engaged in continuous evangelism, gospel preaching, telling men and women about Christ and God's saving action in him. What God has done for sinners in Christ. So as we go about our daily life, we must preach the gospel. The church, therefore, is evangelistic. Only as its members have an evangelistic perspective. You can't have a church being evangelistic because the pastor is evangelistic. The whole church must have an evangelistic perspective. So as members of local churches here, let me challenge you. Do not think that you must leave the work of evangelism to your pastor. The pastor whom a church called just a couple, a year or two ago, and um, some of the deacons have become disgruntled with the pastor. Oh, and, and, and calling the pastor to a meeting. Calling the pastor to a meeting and challenging him with regard to what's happening in this ministry. Since you've been here, we haven't seen any improvement in the attendance, in the growth. And, and I'm like, hey. So is shepherd who makes sheep? No, shepherd takes take care of sheep. Who makes sheep? Huh? Or what makes sheep? Sheep make sheep. You hear me? Yeah. And shepherds take care 
of sheep. If you want to see the fold of the church with some more sheep, you sheep, if you're a sheep, by the way, I saw the brother with them. Are you a sheep or a goat? I'm looking for that one. <laughs> but if you are a sheep, then you must go out and seek to bring some more sheep into the fold, yes? yes. So the shepherd can take care of the sheep. So they are, they, they are depending on the pastor for the growth, for the physical growth, for, for the numerical growth of the church. Now, it is the Lord who grows his church, but let's remember that each one of us has a responsibility to carry the gospel out to the world so that that they might come to Christ and therefore the church would grow. Amen. Let me show you something else with regard to this commission here. You would notice that Jesus gives assurance of his presence. You see that? He speaks of the plan. The plan is while you are going, make disciples, preach the gospel. And he said, I am with you always. Now I think this is important, it's very significant Can you imagine those Galilean peasants Fishermen Most of them Being given the commission To make disciples for Jesus Christ To convert the world Can you imagine this is, They must have been They must have felt that the task was a daunting one. They must have been staggered by the enormity, the greatness of the task given to them to convert the world to the way of Christ. Their hearts must have trembled in fear and apprehension as they considered the greatness of the task. But you would notice that no sooner was the commission, the command given to go and to make disciples of the nations that the promise followed. Jesus says, and remember this he said, I am with you throughout the days till the end of the world. In other words, what he's saying is this, listen, I know this is a huge task. I know that you may, you, 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 you may be overwhelmed by it. I know the work is daunting. But remember, I am with you in the work I sent you to do. Those men had been sent out on the greatest task in human history. To convert the world to the way of Christ. To make disciples for him. But with them would be the greatest presence in the world. The presence of Jesus Christ himself. Amen. So when we engage in evangelistic ministry. And we feel discouraged. And we, we, we feel intimidated by the world around us. Let's remember as we go that Jesus is with us. That he will encourage us, he will support us, he will help us, he will even give us the words to be able to speak when we become dumbfounded. May I remind you this morning that the church has always found itself in a hostile environment. No matter what age or what country, the world does not love the church and the world does not love the gospel. So it's a hostile environment into which we are sent. 
this would many times result in Christians feeling intimidated by those who are opposed to the gospel and they become discouraged for lack of visible results. That's especially true of us as pastors. And surely at times we preach, we feel we wish we could make people get saved. <laughs> I find this very frustrating. <laughs> as much as I believe in God's saving work in the hearts of sinners every once in a while, I wish I could save some people. Uh, I wouldn't ask you to ask your pastor that. <laughs> I wish I could save the young people in our church. Our church will tell you my heart for them. The children growing up under the gospel in our church. I wish when I have preached the gospel sometimes I, would, I could do like some preachers. Go down the aisle and hold them and bring them forward. <laughs> As you see brethren. When we come to that place in our lives where we feel that we are not making an impact, let us never forget that the presence of Christ is nonetheless with us. There may be people to whom you would want to go to share the gospel and you may find it difficult. You don't know how to start this conversation. Just a couple of weeks ago we had a little um, workshop one evening on this very issue or um, subject of evangelism Just how to use scripture to share the gospel And I was telling the church that sometimes this very, there are people with whom you may not know how to begin the conversation But remember this, if you would seek the Lord's face, call upon him, he would help you with this So Christ assures us of his continuing presence to encourage and to strengthen us for the task at hand. Gospel ministry, sharing the gospel that is, or biblical evangelism, is a daunting task. The message we preach goes against the grain of human nature and all that it represents. But we can continue this great task in humble dependence on the Lord because of his abiding presence with us. We can do this work, you know, not in our strength, not by our means, but by the strength which the Lord provides and by the promise of his presence with us in the task. So may I challenge you this morning. That as we leave this conference and as we go and seek to become become more biblical as churches and as individual believers, that we would seek to share the gospel with our friends and family and we would remember that the Lord is with us always. Secondly, the content of the message. What shall we preach? And boy, do we have preachers today. Hundreds and hundreds all over the place, all over the internet, on the radio, on television, you hear all kinds of things. What shall we preach? Well, I say to you, we shall preach what Paul preached. We shall preach what Peter preached. Yes, we shall preach what the apostles preached. We shall preach the gospel. You heard the apostle, you heard Jesus saying, Go and make disciples. Or as Mark has it, Go and preach the gospel, the good news, to every creature. You hear the words of the apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Romans chapter 1, 
verses 16 and 17. You hear the words of the Apostle Paul. I know you know these verses, but let me read them. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Amen? Amen. For it, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile, the Greek. But look at verse 17. For therein, in what? The gospel. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. By the righteousness of God, it is not speaking of the, of the righteousness of, 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 of an attribute in God, but rather of God's saving action. And what Paul is telling us is this, I am delighted to preach the gospel because the gospel tells us the action that God has taken to save sinners. That's it. There are many things we can preach. And I'm sure you are hearing much of it today. People are preaching prosperity all over the place. And you see so many people are flocking to the prosperity preachers. Many years ago, I, when I began to watch some preachers on television, when they came on the scene, I heard a certain preacher come on and I loved the way he preached. I'm sure many of us do. Joel Osteen. Oh, I said, this guy, said, this guy, this is wonderful. So I listened to him again the following week and he was wonderfuler. <laughs> and I told my wife, you know, boy, well, I have found a pastor to be my pastor. And I heard him again the third week. And I said, but there's something wrong with this guy. There's something wrong here. You know what was wrong? There was no gospel content. All I heard the man saying at the end, I'm glad for the, I'm glad for the teaching of the sovereign grace of God in salvation. I'm telling you this. I heard him say, Well, if you want to come to trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you may come now and whatever the case. I said, But how come this man invited people to come to Christ and he hasn't told him anything about sin and salvation? Every week he does it. Come to Christ. Come to Christ for what? What have you told us about Christ? What have you told us about our condition? What have you told us about our need for reconciliation? You haven't told us anything. And may I say to you this morning, brethren, that we must understand this, that no matter what other people are preaching, let us preach the gospel of God's saving grace in Jesus Christ. This is so important. You have the Apostle Paul writing to the Christians at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Listen to him. Verses 1 and 2. He writes, he says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come to you with excellency of speech or of wisdom, de declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you, but what? Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Paul was not here preaching about the church. 
Paul was not here pushing a certain point of view. Paul's concern was not a religious experience. Paul's concern was a person and his work, Jesus Christ and him crucified. Who Jesus is and what he has done. That's the gospel. So in chapter 15 he tells us, in 1 Corinthians, you want to go, go there with me now. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You know these verses very well, so we'll just do this quickly. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you what? The gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved by the gospel. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, that's the gospel, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ did what? Died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. What is Paul doing? He's saying, this is what I preach to you. I preach Christ. Christ living, Christ dying, Christ rising. And he says, by the way, that's what the Old Testament scriptures teach. That's the gospel. So the gospel constitutes the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. His ascension as well. For the salvation of sinners. I'm sure you will notice today that the emphasis is on other things. The great themes of man's depravity. God's grace in salvation. And the absolute necessity for repentance toward God and faith in Christ are hardly mentioned or downplayed in many Christian circles. To be evangelistic, we must preach the evangel. We must preach the gospel. We must emphasize the great themes of salvation to a lost and dying world. In his little book on evangelism, Dr. Ernest Pickering, on his book, in his book, The Theology of Evangelism, states, and I quote, The great biblical themes, man's inability and God's efficacious grace, are hardly ever mentioned in connection with evangelism. But why should they not be? These are fundamental to a proper evangelistic ministry. They are not merely peripheral doctrines which men can believe if they wish. They are inseparably connected with it. And listen to what he says. Evangelism is not primarily a study in methodology. Evangelism is the outflow of proper theology. I say amen to that. (laughs) It's not how we do this. And I was telling our church when I was doing this little um, workshop with them on evangelism. It is not how we engage people and how we introduce ourselves. What we are to be concerned is that once we have made the contact that we remain true to the scriptures. We talk about sin. Man's depravity. We talk about man's inability. And we talk about God's grace. Given to sinners through the atoning death of Jesus Christ. So what shall we preach? Well, let me just say three things. One, we shall preach human depravity. Man's condition in sin. Or you might want to call it pervasive depravity and practical inability. 
Because you see, brethren, you and I know very well, man has been corrupted by sin in every part of his nature, and that renders him incapable of ever coming to Christ of his own accord. You must tell sinners that, you know. I know we like to tell sinners, you can come when you want. No, no, they can't come when they want. So we must tell them, listen man, you are a sinner, lost and undone, and there is nothing you can do to, co- to contribute anything to your salvation. We, we must talk about man's depravity. People don't like to talk about this. People don't want to hear that they are sinners. But people can only be saved if they, when they acknowledge that indeed they are sinners before God. We, we must also speak of the divine initiative. God's action to save sinners. And we see this over and over again in the scriptures. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have what? Everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have what? Everlasting life. For we see, John tells us, that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. In Galatians chapter 4, Paul writes, and he tells us that when the fullness of the time was come. You know the verses? What did God do? God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to do what? To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. But God commended his love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, what happened? Christ died for us. You see, over and over again, it is not man who is doing something for himself or taking the initiative. Rather, it is God who takes the initiative to send his son to die for sinners. That's where his salvation begins. That's the essence of it. So we must preach human depravity. We must preach the divine initiative, God's action in grace. But we must also preach personal responsibility. I think sometimes we may forget this, huh? <laughs> and I know our brethren who don't agree with us say, Well, if you preach these doctrines of grace, so what are you telling men that they must believe? When, when God is ready, He will save them. Well, that too is true. But the Bible clearly teaches that man is responsible to repent and believe the gospel. Election is not written on anybody's forehead. I don't know who the elect is. That's not my business. I did not even know I was one of them. (laughs) Only God knows that. You and I are not told to go and preach to the elect. We are to preach to whom? To the world Every creature, everyone we meet, we share the gospel and we call them to turn from sin and to turn to Christ in faith for salvation. That's the message we must preach. We must not deviate from it. Let me come to the third and final point. We must be committed to this message, or the mission rather. How can we be effective in the work of evangelism? Uh, and and I, I, I appreciate what Dr. Pickering said. This is not about method. It's about being true to the scriptures. So I want to say in closing that we must 
be committed to the work of evangelism. What does that mean? Well, let me say this briefly. Number one, we must embrace the assignment. We must make it our own. Each one of us must see ourselves as a disciple maker for Jesus Christ. Amen? Yes. The Lord has sent me to talk to others and he has sent you to do the same. He has saved us and he has commissioned us. He has sent us out into the world. So embrace the message. That's the first thing. Secondly, we must emphasize the essentials. Jesus didn't send these people to argue about religion. He sent them to preach the gospel. Somebody asked me, Pastor, well, what if when we go, people start want to have an argument about religion and church? I say, you know what? Well, shut it, just shut it down. Shut it down. There's a time and place for that, of course. For polemics and uh, for all the other things in which we engage. For the defense of the gospel. But when we want to tell sinners about Christ, we don't want to get into an argument with them. We want to keep to the basics. Man's condition in sin, God's initiative of grace through Christ, and man's responsibility to come to trust in Him as their Savior. Let me say one more thing. We must engage in prayer for the gospel ministry. I think we forget this, you know. I don't have the time to develop this, but my church will tell you I have worked very hard on this with them. Years ago, I read a little book on evangelism, and the writer said something that stuck in my mind. Not only must we talk to men about God, we must also talk to God about men. Amen. This is a huge task. It's a daunting task. It's intimidating. Sometimes we may become frustrated with this work that the Lord has sent us to do for Him. So we need the strength and power of God to do this. So we must go to Him in prayer. We must pray. Paul talks about this in Ephesians and the Thessalonians. He says, pray for me that I may be effective in my gospel preaching. That's so interesting. Time and again, when you hear Paul asking the churches to pray for him, he doesn't pray for healing. Huh? He doesn't pray for prosperity. He doesn't pray to be accepted by men. He prays that he will be successful in his gospel preaching. <laughs> That's what we have to be praying for. And I always remind our church, listen, men, brethren, prayer meeting is not about praying all over the place for all kinds of people. When we come to prayer meeting, we must make the ministry of the church a focus of our prayers. Now you may disagree with that, is this? That's okay. But just think about it for a little bit. We can spend other times in other situations doing other prayers. But when we gather as a church, let us remember the church's ministry, especially the gospel ministry, because that's what the church was commissioned to do, to preach the gospel. So pray says Paul that God would give me utterance. He would give me the liberty and the freedom and the means to be able to make known the mystery of Christ. And by this he means the gospel. Who Jesus is and what he has done. Pray that I will be effective in the proclamation of that message. And then finally, pray for the preachers of the gospel. 
Amen? Amen. Now pray for your pastor, of course. I understand what you mean when you say you pray for your pastor. But I think much of the time we pray for our pastors, for their ministry generally. But may I say to you that we must target the gospel. And we must say, Lord, help my pastor to be able to be effective in preaching the gospel that sinners might be saved. Paul talks about this. We don't have the time to go into the scriptures here. But I want to challenge you this morning as we close to remember this. That if we are to be a biblical church, we must be gospel-centered. We must preach the gospel because a biblical church is evangelistic. We must understand that man's greatest need is to be reconciled to God. That's the greatest need. There are other things, but this is the one that man is most... He needs to come to realize his condition and his need for God to be reconciled to him. The second thing I want to say is that gospel preaching is the medium by which reconciliation is offered to sinners. Check it out. Paul emphasizes preaching. And by this it simply means a proclamation of the gospel. Not standing behind a pulpit, but rather making a declaration or proclamation. Telling others something about something. And finally, the church and every member, therefore, must endeavor to make, to publish the gospel because it is by the gospel that sinners are brought to Jesus Christ. May God give us the grace to apply these truths and may He help us to be gospel oriented and to help our churches to be more biblical. Father, we thank you for your word today. May these words take root in our hearts and bring for fruit in our lives. For our good, for the good of your church, and for the glory of your name, we pray in Jesus' name.